Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Pauline Middleton. She is a modern love coach and an author. Pauline and I will be discussing her novel, One Woman, Three Men, a story about modern love and sex. She will also be giving tips on how to find your ideal mate. Good morning, Pauline. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Johnny. Well, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Fantastic. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. One Woman, Three Men is a very interesting and entertaining read. The writing format is different, but it is certainly a page turner. So congratulations for that. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy you enjoyed it. Wonderful. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Yeah, um, I grew up in um, on a family estate that's been in the family since 1928. And it's an estate, uh, and my parents are also people who tell a lot of stories. You know, so ever since I was a little girl, I heard these fascinating stories about my uh, grandfather and grandmother and great-grandfather and so on. And uh, and I know that has influenced me. Mm-hmm. My parents are, are both quite uh, creative and in some ways they're anarchistic. But the funny thing is that they, they are members of the Conservative Party and believe that they have conservative values. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I found that out when I was uh, older that, that actually, you know, I've grown up in sort of a dichotomy. So I've mm-hmm. both had the influences of conservative values, uh, uh, which is, you know, preserving society and keeping things off and so on. And then I've also had the creativity and, and some very, you know, unique uh, influences. Mm-hmm. I've also grown up with my grandmother as a neighbor. So I've always been, you know, we've been always in three generations. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I live on the estate today myself uh, with my husband and my daughter, uh, and my parents also live there. So we continue that tradition of living together three generations. Fantastic. Now, you are talking about living in Denmark, correct? Yes, that's right. Just outside of Copenhagen, our capital. Very interesting. You have traveled extensively around the world, and even here in the United States. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, right after high school, I uh, I joined a group called Up With People that travels worldwide and does a sing and dance show. And uh, that brought me to 36 states here in the U.S., which was really, uh, you know, a great experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I went back to Denmark and started studying Russian, but didn't really feel for it. Then I studied history, but didn't feel for it. And then I had this dream that I was speaking French fluently. And, you know, since I was frustrated with my studies and I didn't have sort of any obligations, I said, okay, I'm going to move to Paris and learn to speak French. So I did. And then I moved to Paris and lived there for two years working for a Danish company. And uh, I did learn French. (laughs) (laughs) They they say that you you learn French best if you learn it on the pillow. So... uh, well, I don't know if I listened to that, but at least I got a French boyfriend and lived with him. 
as you travel around the world, what are the cultural differences that I guess that you would like in different places that you've sort of create your own way of doing things? Well, I would say two of the, well, three countries actually has influenced me. The States mm-hmm. has influenced me in terms of uh, grandness. You know, uh, the roads here are big. People have an attitude that's like, you know, very welcoming people. And you get big portions in restaurants. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a candor. It's, it's a mm-hmm. willingness to kind of think things uh, bigger. And I like that. In France, I love the way of, you know, the sensuality. That uh, if you go shopping, I mean, it's a sensual experience for your eyes, for your smelling, for your mm. uh, tasting, and and I absolutely love that. And and that continues, you know, uh, whether you go to a restaurant or a, a supermarket or whatever. Then I also live in uh, in um, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. uh, and that was uh, that was interesting in a different manner. Because I got more, much more conscious of my own cultural uh, luggage when I was living in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I had read a, a guy called uh, Gerd Hofstede. Mm-hmm. He, had, uh, he had made an analysis for IBM, looking at IBM employees in 25 different countries or something like that. And then mm-hmm. he had identified you know, a, a number of different parameters where cultures actually uh, are different. And mm-hmm. I got a lot out of reading that book. Uh, and, and then I, had, I, I brought it with me to Hong Kong, you know, and, and I found mm-hmm. out that there were, for instance, the power distance in Denmark is very low. I mean, you can mm-hmm. easily, if I want to have a meeting with the prime minister and I have a good uh, subject that might interest uh, more than just him and me, it's quite mm-hmm. possible for me to get that meeting. Whereas in other mm-hmm. countries, I could see that that was, you know, that could never happen. Right, right. Um, and also uh, masculinity and femininity. There is mm-hmm. a different uh, balance between that in, in Denmark and there is in a number of other countries. We have equality as a, mm-hmm. as a standard uh, that people want to live up to. Um, right. So, and, and by traveling, you know, you also become aware that, okay, what I was brought up with, that's not the only truth. I mean, there's yeah. so many different ways of actually living life. And and you could say that we get much more uh, choice by traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but what I think is that we, we don't get, culture doesn't really give us tools to choose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just as, well, whatever you want, you know, you can have whatever you want, <laughs> live your dreams and, you know, all of these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, I think they're great. But, but in a way, I, I think that we need more tools to kind of help us find out, okay, what is important for me? Uh, yeah. And how can I find other people who will more or less agree with me to, you know, mm-hmm. find a mate or something like that? So that's also why I've written this book. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. You have worked in so many ways in different areas of the industry, and then you made this transition to become a modern love coach. What yeah. life epiphanies led you to make that change in your career? Um, well, I've actually had uh, two epiphanies in my life. The mm-hmm. first epiphany I had was when I was 29 and I was living in Hong Kong. I'd gotten a job uh, as manager of the Asian operations of a Danish textile manufacturer and I lived in Hong mm-hmm. Kong. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a really high-position job, and I was quite young. So whenever I met people, they were like, oh, how did you get this job? <gasps> this is fantastic. <laughs> what should I do? And so on. And I was like, oh, my. I've gotten this uh, amazing job without actually doing anything specific to get it. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about if I... Um, how about if I define what I really want and then I try to do something, you know, targeted mm-hmm. towards attaining that goal? Where, where will it get me? And then that left me thinking because, you know, I didn't really know what I really wanted. I, I had always kind of, okay, what is this? And there's a possibility here. Okay, and there's a job there. And who knows? You know, why, why don't I just try this? I, I was kind of going with the flow. And, mm-hmm. and that had brought me, you know, the flow had flowed me to Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I enjoyed it, you know, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I was also thinking, okay, maybe I can get what I really dream of. Mm-hmm. And then I, I spent six months uh, thinking about that. And I found out later that actually the, that process of allowing yourself time to be just searching and without finding an answer is is paramount to actually finding what you long for because mm-hmm. most of our upbringing we're we're told okay you know you must get an education you must get a job you must set up family blah, blah, blah. culture tells us many things that we must to do must do mm-hmm. you know it, mm-hmm. it's not culture doesn't tell us many things or doesn't give us input to what do you feel like what would you right. like to dream of and so on and, you know, maybe it would also be a little too much asking a seven-year-old, what do you dream of? <laughs> Seven-year-olds have dreams, maybe, of the biggest ice cream cone or something like that. <laughs> right, right. But, but I think at least when we get to be teenagers, we're not asked about that or we can't answer. But, you know, I, I spent six months thinking about it and then I figured out, okay, I want to write for TV and film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was quite different from being the manager of the Asian operations and textile company. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but then I quit my job and uh, went back to Denmark, sold my car, found a cheaper place to live, and then I started working for free in the television business. Mm-hmm. And within a month, I had a paid job there uh, because you know you start for free and then you hear about these right, things right. and then you then you get a possibility. So, so that was like, you know, I, I knew that you can change your life because I had done it. And uh, then I worked for telev- in television for eight years. Um, and I got a grant for the National Endowment of the Arts Program for some of my scripts. And I started writing a novel, my first novel. And, and you know, it was, a, it was a great satisfaction to be able to actually uh, live my dream. Also, even though my dream was not successful all the time, because, of course, there were ups and downs and there were setbacks and there were challenges mm-hmm. and so on. But, but since I was kind of uh, experiencing something that I longed to, to find out about, it was okay to have, you know, these setbacks. Whereas early on when I was living, you could say somebody up to somebody else's expectations, these kind of setbacks were, were hitting me harder. So, so mm-hmm. that was also quite an interesting thing or interesting thing to find out. So then uh, the epiphany that, that made me change into becoming a mm-hmm. love coach, that was actually uh, based very much on um, when my book came out in Denmark in 2010, there were so many people who contacted me. And they all mm-hmm. wanted to talk about love in different ways than the, mm-hmm. the ordinary one and to get advice. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in the beginning I was having coffee with this ad and who and blah, 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 and talking. And, and, and people really told me some very intimate and personal things. <laughs> you know, when people when people kept contacting me, I just didn't have yeah. time to meet with them all. And then I was like, okay, well, I will set up a love coaching company. <laughs> so, and very, I very knew cool. how to be a coach because I had been coaching uh, people in terms of uh, career and right. and uh, and so on. Because when my first novel came out, uh, it had it uh, dealt with. Um, a woman trying to make it in a big organization and there are many power plays and you know mm-hmm. many you know there are bosses there and so on mm-hmm. and and uh, you know she actually she she plays the fly on the wall kind of looking <laughs> at what these idiotic bosses are doing <laughs> and then you know when this book came out with the idiotic bosses then many people could relate to it and then they right. contacted me telling that I had described their boss precisely, and then they mm. wanted advice. So, you know, I had already uh, kind of uh, uh, developed a, a coaching practice, and then it mm. was just changing into a flock coaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. With all the experience that you have, you put it all in this book, and of course, it is a novel, it's loosely based on your own personal experience. So, why did you write One Woman, Three Men? Well, I, um, as you say, I lived, uh, I dated three men uh, at the same time for a period in my life, um, and that happened after I had, um, I had a love life that was, you know, really more or less in ruins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd been married to the father of my daughter, and and but he, you know, it didn't work. So mm-hmm. so I, uh, we got divorced, and then we. I met this other guy, and, and he was a really sort of the contrary of my ex-husband. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was really happy. Okay, now I made it. This is excellent, and we're having a great time together. <laughs> yeah. But then after a year, he left me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, I was devastated because, I mean, being left by a guy that I was really having a great time with was like, yeah, I, it, it hurt a lot. And then I was sitting there, you know, trying to, okay, can I live without a man? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. how, about, how about living without a man? I think I'll do that. What mm-hmm. good is a man to me in my life? You know, I said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman who makes lists. I like making lists because it gives me an overview of what goes on. So at that right. time, I started making a list of what, what good a man is in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I figured, okay, there will be three to four things on this list, and then I'll just have to look at them and see if I can live without it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, sort of maybe uh, a, a more structured approach to love. Right. And then, um, as you will see also in the book, because I've included that in the book, uh, well, the list ended up containing uh, 26 areas. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, 26 areas is a little too much to live without. So I knew <laughs> that I needed to find a new man. <laughs> so... But I also knew, you know, if you go dating, you can't yeah. uh, make a profile saying, uh, I need you to live up to these 26 areas. I mean, that would maybe <laughs> <laughs> be a little too much. <laughs> Very interesting. That's so, true. Yeah. So, therefore, I kind of looked at it again and regrouped some of the areas. And then I said, okay, what are the three most important areas? Well, I like that the guy uh, enjoys talking with me, you know, Mm -hmm. that we can discuss life and politics and love and whatnot. 
and uh, sex is also important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not important for every man. Most men, it is important to, but but some men are not really interested in it. So I wanted a guy who who liked sex and thought it was fun to play with it and right. you know explore right. different areas and so on. And then I live in this old house, uh, so I uh, I needed uh, help from a handyman that I could then also socialize <laughs> with. And you know, then I figured I was going to go look for a man with these three qualities. But then when yeah. I was sitting there filling out the profile for to on a dating site, I said, yeah. okay, well, how about if I separate these three into three different men and mm-hmm. go looking for a guy to talk to, another guy to have sex with, and a third guy as my handyman. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then for a period of time, I can kind of see where do things go wrong, how yeah. where, where do I do something that's actually not good for the you know for the love mm-hmm. situation and so on. And then when I got that idea, I, I you know created that profile and, and started looking for new men, and uh, and I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting approach to finding the ideal mate. In your experience, yes. and of course we talk about your personal self in writing this book and the experience that you have been all around the world. You've been to a lot of places, like we talk about. You have lived life. The fascinating thing about it is that. Does all women look for the same thing in a relationship? Um, no, I don't think so. I think uh, both men and women look for intimacy. You know, okay. the, the feeling of, of of feeling close to each other. I mm-hmm. think that is uh, that's a joint area. But you know, some people they need would like to kind of uh, be in in touch every day, talking and texting and meeting and so on. With other yep. people, it's fine to just be in contact, you know, every second, third, or fourth day. So, right. you know, you cannot say that this intimacy is defined in the same way for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's really important to, you know, go through this one woman, three men model uh, mm-hmm. directly or indirectly. You know, use it to figure out, okay, what is actually important for me? Because I've, I found out also in my love coaching that many people have a long list of expectations that are not really very concrete. You know, mm-hmm. well, I want him to make me feel good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, how does he make you feel good? Oh, well, you know, I don't know. Well, think about that until next time we meet. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's something that you should allow yourself to take some weeks to define what is actually important for you. Because the yeah. more concrete you can define that, the easier it is to actually, you know, check it up against somebody you're dating with and once you're in a relationship, to communicate it to your partner. Right, right, right. And I think, you know, culture, again, doesn't really help us in that sense because it just says, oh, you're a human being, so you can fall in love <laughs> and good luck. <laughs> right, right, you right. Know? So it's, it's a little as if it's even embarrassing to say that, okay, well, you know, my love life is not really working. And I think that's too bad because, of course, it's not working. You're doing kind of arbitrary, uh, unconscious things uh, based on hormones to make it work. You know, that's not a very right. good recipe for anything. So. <laughs> that's very interesting. You touch on a lot of areas in terms of some of the things that we experience in our life, and men goes through that as well. Today, I feel this way. Tomorrow, I feel the other way. And then... Today, one category is more important to me than 
the other category. And then a week from now, guess what? Category number four or five, or if they have that many categories in their list, supersedes the rest of the stuff, maybe for a short while. So let's talk about that. You came up with three categories, which I thought was very, very interesting. How did you come up with this category and how do they play in terms of which one is more important than the other? Um, well, I think these three categories are important for me. I know that some people, uh, it's not so important for them to discuss uh, the development of the world and politics and so on. You know, and they're like, no, right. I don't want to talk that much. So maybe, you know, uh, people will not have the talking category. Or some people also love going hiking in the mountains. Okay, well, then maybe that should be a category instead of the handyman. I think most people will have the sex as a category. Mm-hmm. But basically, you can define the categories whichever way uh, makes your clock tick. The important yeah. aspect of this is to define. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore, I think, you know, um, when, I, um, when, I had, when I dated three men, uh, I did it for a year and a half, and that yeah. made me that made me find out that okay, actually two of these categories were the most important, and that mm-hmm. was the the sex part, and mm-hmm. then the talking part. But I had to also kind of enlarge the talking part a bit because mm-hmm. it was important for me to meet a man that uh, enjoyed that I have my writing projects. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. I that I love writing and that it's fine that I write and it's fine mm-hmm. that uh, we go on a book tour and you know things like that. It mm-hmm. was important that there was space for me to to create, and and mm-hmm. I hadn't defined that as concretely in the beginning, but over a year and a half, you know, I figured out okay, this is really important for me, and and I should not compromise on this area. Sure. Uh, so because sure. that's the second thing, you know, that, that people keep telling us, oh, to have a relationship, you need to compromise. And yeah. I want to nuance that somewhat because I think to have a relationship, uh, you should define the three most important areas for you in a relationship and don't compromise on that. Right, uh, right. You should also ask your partner to do that. And, you know, some of them may be overlapping, but, but then... Right. Don't compromise on those things because if you compromise on that, you know, you will tend to wither inside and you will it's only a question of time before the relationship kind of dies out. Right. So right. so and then when you have those three areas, you can easily compromise on everything else because you know that you have the core values, the basis in your relationship, you agree on that and you mm-hmm. you found each other because you're a match on that. So mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. you can you can really uh, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is um, that's really important. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, yeah, that's very interesting. That's true because what you were talking about is the fact that it's just not good enough to just have a good communication time because communication can be small talk or communication can be big talk. Many a times you want to have that communication to cover not only intellectual connection but obviously the communicational connection that you can talk about mundane stuff. At the same time, you can have something of value, of substance communication. So I like that concept about he has to be some sort of a philosopher. And again, this is the category that you chose, and to some people that's not necessarily important. To me personally as a guy, that is important as well because of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I can hear that. The, <laughs> 
<laughs> because of the things that you and I both like from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess right. that's also why you've written your book, you know, because you you reflect and you wonder and you and you want to communicate these things to other people and, and talk right. to them about it. Right. And um, the most important thing also, I think, in the end, when you talk about the intimacy, is you want the best cheerleader to be sitting or lying down next to you. Yes, exactly. exactly. That is the ultimate thing. You certainly don't yes. want to have the best cheerleader to be somewhere else. No, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and you know when when you feel when you define these three areas and your partner says, "Hey, I I respect that and I understand yeah. that," then you yeah. feel seen as the deepest you, and you know that's that's an amazing feeling because then you're like, "Oh, well, I am where I should be next mm-hmm. to this uh, you know great partner." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then I think uh, another parameter why this defining the three most important areas is also important is that we change over a lifetime. You know, things happen to us. We grow older, we have challenges mm-hmm. in work, we get children, or we decide not to have children, mm-hmm. our parents age. You know, there are many, many changes that happen over a lifetime. And a love life uh, is, is not something static. You know, that also changes. So the more you know who you are and what you are looking for and longing for, the more you can also continue to talk with your partner when some things change. Mm-hmm. Because it may be that you've been hiking for 30 years, but then you find out, okay, well, I, I'm not interested anymore, or my knees don't uh, work right. with me anymore, or something like that. Or mm-hmm. maybe, you know, at some point I will not be interested in talking anymore. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we will have a parameter to talk about it. So I think right. actually once a year or every two years, it's important in the in a couple to talk about these things. Is, is it still these three things that are important for you, or has it changed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How will your book help today's woman in finding the right mate? Um, it is. Uh, I've written it as as an inspiration. You know, when I lived with uh, with this uh, dating three men at the same time, and I told people about it. Oh, mm-hmm. people were curious. They really <laughs> wanted to hear. <laughs> so that's why I, I ended up writing a book about it because you know mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll 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 tell people specifically uh, how it was and what happened, and then I decided to make it a novel so that I didn't, you know, I wasn't out to actually tell sure. about any of the men that I've been dating. You know, I didn't right. want to expose them or anything, so I I cover it up in a. The fiction story, and then I could also have it happening over a shorter period. So that was yeah. it. Right. Um, okay. And then women, women, and I would say both women and men can use my book because mm-hmm. it is uh, it's written uh, quite like a do-it-yourself book. You know, then I did this, and I did that, and that led to this, and you can also do this. You know, so so you kind of follow the the thoughts of the main character. It's written like a di- as a diary. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can really see and follow what is happening to her, and then you can decide for yourself. Okay, mm-hmm. she says these things are important. Twenty six points. Well, what are my areas? Mm-hmm. You know, and then sit down and make your own list. And mm-hmm. and and I urge people to really take some time out and do it. You know, don't think that you read this book and then a week later everything is fixed. 
No, say to yeah. yourself, okay, I'll read this book and work with this concept maybe over some weeks or a couple of months, and then I'll use it to define what is really important for me in a relationship, in love. What am I looking for? And then start dating, uh, specifically wanting to meet somebody who can match you on these three areas. So I think uh, women and men can really use it to, to become more specific about what they long for and then to, to be more focused in their dating process. Coming back to the three men concept, or in the men's category would be three women concept. How does one <laughs> deal with jealousy in a modern love relationship? Well, jealousy, I think a certain amount of jealousy is natural. You know, we, yeah. we can all feel it and that's fine. Uh, but, of course, if you find out that jealousy is really, you know, biting at you or kind of uh, possessing all your thoughts and so on, then it's time to actually seek some professional help for it because it can destroy. Mm-hmm. It can destroy an otherwise quite good relationship and, and it can really destroy your life. Mm-hmm. Um, what I had, uh, you know, a couple of the men who wrote to me on this dating site saying that they wanted to be, you know, uh, to be my partner, I all, all the time I said to them, well, you need to choose one of the three roles okay. for us to go on a date. And they were like, wow, you're a tough woman. <laughs> I said, well, you know, this is a different model. We need to stick to it. <laughs> um, and it was quite fun. Um, and I should also say, this is just, a, you know, a, a little further information that the dates yeah. I went on were much more interesting than the dates I've gone on before this model. Because mm-hmm. right away we had something to talk about that was not, who are you, who am I, are we a match? We had mm-hmm. this model to talk about. Because they yeah. were curious, saying, where on earth did you get such a strange idea or such a funny idea? Or <laughs> who are you, you know, to think in a manner like this? And why can't I yeah. have all three roles and so on? So, you know, we yeah. got some, some really good uh, talking materials right from the start. Well, okay. back to what Very you were asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and mm-hmm. that's also why I say to people, you know, you can use this model just to have much better date. Whether mm-hmm. you choose to actually, you know, have sex with only one of them or with neither of them or with all three, well, that's mm-hmm. up to you and up yeah. to them and up to what happens. You know, don't yeah. be too strict about it. But be strict in terms of, okay, this is my ballpark. If you want mm-hmm. to meet me, this is what we are going to talk about. So, mm-hmm. so it's like a, a point of interest uh, mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. In your own personal um, life, how about your yes. daughter? Were you worried about how she might look at this and the thoughts that she had about your dating situation? Definitely, definitely. Um, there was one more thing. I want to talk about my daughter. Oh, there, there was this thing about jealousy also that I just wanted to right. kind of end before we go to my daughter. That's okay. Yeah. Um, because the, what I found was that a couple of the men, when they contacted me, they already there expressed uh, serious jealousy. You know, mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, you should know that I'm quite jealous and I'm not really one for sharing and so on. And then <laughs> the two of the men, I just ended up saying, well, then we should not go on a date. Because I don't think you're going to be able to handle this. And they're like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, I'll handle it, I'll handle it. No, I, don't want, I don't want to do that. So, yeah. you know, um, and for another couple of men when I was dating, because it wasn't the same three men I dated all the time, you know, mm-hmm. things changed. Mm-hmm. 
And then a couple of the men also checked out uh, during the, this time that I was dating like this because they said, well, you know, uh, this is not for me. I, I keep thinking about what you're doing with the other guys, and I, I can't live with that, so so I'm leaving. Either it's yeah. full-time or I leave. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, there was, of course there is jealousy. There always mm-hmm. will be jealousy at a smaller or larger scale when, when you are sharing <laughs> yourself yeah. with more than one person. Uh, right. So... Um, I would also say that, that, you know, jealousy, it's important to become, become conscious of jealousy if, if it's a serious problem, because jealousy is actually a quite egotistical feeling, mm-hmm. because it happens inside of you, and it's, uh, it's based on your often vivid imagination of what might go on with that mm-hmm. other person mm-hmm. that you love when you're not together. And you know that other person you love when you're not together might be having a boring meeting in a bank. But you can mm-hmm. work that up in your head as to many, many different things happening and, and that other person preferring somebody else to you. So you know it's 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 like it's your own inner universe and, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. So seek <laughs> professional guidance if you if it's a big problem. That's what I urge people to do. Interesting. That's and true. Then, That's true. Yeah. Then you so, asked about my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, she was uh, 12 years old when I started to to live like this, mm-hmm. uh, dating three men. But I was divorced, so, uh, you know, whenever she was with her dad, that was mm-hmm. like every second week when she was with her dad, that was when I yeah. was meeting with these men. Yeah. So, no, you know, she didn't see any of them. She didn't meet any of them, and she didn't know that I was living like this. Mm-hmm. And actually, I wasn't telling, I was telling my best, uh, two best friends about it. But yeah. apart from that, I wasn't telling people uh, in the beginning. Because it was also a little, you know, okay, yeah. um, am, I, am I putting the slot uh, category on my forehead yeah. by actually saying yeah. I have three men? And I yeah. didn't need anybody else's reaction. I needed to right. find out myself what I felt. Sure. So I just sure. wasn't sharing it. Right. Then you could say, okay, then when my book came out, uh, I was like, okay, well, well, well. Um, <laughs> now, how do I deal with my daughter in terms of the book? Right. And then right. I talked with some people about it, and then I found out, okay, well, I said to her, you know, I'm going to have this book come out, and it's it's about grown-up subjects, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be on the media and so on. I don't want you to see any of the television or listen to the radio or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, if people ask you about the book, you just say, well, you know, it's my mom. She has all these projects. Crazy projects, and this is <laughs> you know. Very I wanted her to feel good about uh, not having to get involved in it and not having right. to have an opinion about it, uh, and that was that was good. Very interesting. I understand where you're coming from. I believe it's interesting where men can easily date two to three ladies and not be categorized. I mean, of course, some of them are categorized, but in the end. My point is, it's your intention that matters. Because if you are in the process of wanting to find that special someone, then I guess in a way you can contribute life as a buffet line. You've got to taste all the different dishes out there. And then when you like one, you can come back for seconds and thirds and so forth. So I understand the way you are doing it, and again, ultimately, whether you should be categorized in a certain category type of a person, I think it depends on your intention. And, yeah. of course, 
your intention is noble, then there's nothing wrong with that. Because you definitely don't want to get boxed in in a situation where only to find out that, wait a minute now, this is not exactly what I'm looking for. Or it's almost there, but it's not quite there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and how do you actually define that? You yeah, know? yeah. I also think that a lot of women uh, do romantic constructions in their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know about uh, a relationship or about a, a possible man, and and that is actually you know that that doesn't really help for you to find a partner that you that you fit with, uh, because these um, romantic constructions make you quite vulnerable on first date. You know, it's like you, you 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 exchange something online, you may talk on the phone, and then you're like, oh, this sounds just great. He, he's just, you know, like he sounds like, he's fantastic. He sounds like my soulmate. And, and you know, many women will think that going on a first date with a guy. And, mm-hmm. and, and actually, no, it's very likely he's not your soulmate. And very likely you're never going to see each other again. So, you know, mm-hmm. don't invest so much in it. And, mm-hmm. and and so so that's what I found, you know, that I was also doing these romantic constructions. And it was mm-hmm. much better for me, you know, it's fine to do romantic constructions, but get back in reality as often as you can, you know, right. and, and don't kind of overflow with this romance inside your head because you get too vulnerable. And, and then right. there's no need for that. So, so true. And then I also found out that some of these things that you want from a partner, it's actually better to get it from a friend. Or to hire a handyman to get it, you know, because in the, in the end, that was what, what I chose to do. You know, I, right. to, I, right. I went looking for one partner to, to talk with and have a great uh, sex life with. And, uh, and then I, I started dating, you know, with that specific focus. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm now happily married, so that's great. One of the things that in reading your book and understanding we grow from different stages in our life and the authentic us never change and that comes back to the idea of certain personal innate values that we have within us and our intentions now our goal and perception in life wisdom maturity and so forth obviously change as we get older your model i believe does apply to everyone of all ages you can apply this to when you are in your 20s because you're still testing the world you are still identifying yourself because you yourself are evolving so as such you need to have someone it's almost like one of those things where you might meet someone and they may be in your life for a couple of years and then you find that you outgrew that person or and i say this respectfully the other person outgrew you and you got to know enough to have to make that decision and let go because you know that you can never grow with that person not to the level that he or she wants to grow in his or her life yeah definitely Uh, it's like when you're in your 20s you're still kind of making the diamond shine you know i don't Mm. know how you say that in english you're kind of you know making it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, better and better. <laughs> I yeah, also yeah. had just, uh, you know, just recently I had a, a, a 75-year-old woman contacted me and said that she absolutely loved the book and it really helped her yeah. deal with some of the issues in her love life at that stage of life. So yeah, right. definitely you can use it uh, 
whatever age you're in. But you will most likely use it for different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the older we get, our way of life or the authentic us starts to take shape in our yeah. values. You talk about communication, so obviously from our intellectual base, the physical side of the equation, the things that we want to do, our leisure time, that starts to formulate itself as well. And then now, he or she, when you meet that person, you have to look at them as the authentic them because you can't afford to say, well, what I'm looking for, and I'm using the metaphor here, an example of taking a piece of wood, what I'm looking for is a two-by-four, but, well, it is a two-by-six. Maybe I can trim it down. Exactly. <laughs> to make it I can change you. Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't no, work that no, way. It doesn't. It doesn't. And thereby you can see, actually, that this book is a, it's a tool, is a story to help you uh, find out Am I a two by four, or am I a two by six, or am I a one by five? Whatever. You know, right, what are right. the measurements? Who am right. I that I can then go and signal to other people? And I don't think we learn that anywhere in our society. You know, it's just like, you know, ah, good luck. You know, with right, luck. right. I think we need tools. That's true. And your book is a wonderful tool from that perspective, and it is provocative enough to sort of challenge us, not the other person, but it's to look within ourselves and find the authentic self. And now that you know who you are, then go look for the person that actually mirrors you that will be a good custom fit. That's what I gather from reading your book. Well, it's perfectly precise. (laughs) (laughs) Do you encourage men to do the same thing, to date more than one Women at a time? Well, I don't think they need my encouragement. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know, you could say that I'm, in in a number of ways, I'm actually copying what men are doing. Because I'm saying to women, you know, take charge of your love life, take charge of what you want, and start to make it happen. Because I think a lot of men are uh, quite good at that. Uh, I also think that, you know, boys are raised differently than, than girls are, so they, the men maybe are helped with that, or wherever it comes from, it doesn't really matter to you. The fact is that men are quite good at, you know, saying, okay, I want this, and then they go for it. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing was that whenever, uh, I, 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 in the beginning when I was dating like this, and I was thinking about the book, I was also talking to men about this. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to a friend of mine, and he said, well, you know, I also used to have three women. Actually, at two different periods in my life. I said, mm-hmm. ooh, well, would you want to write about that? And he said, <laughs> sure. So he has written the other book called uh, One Man, Three Women. Yeah. But, you know, the, the way he has uh, uh, defined these, um, these roles is that uh, the first profile or the first role is a sexy femme fatale for sex. Yeah. Yeah. And the second one is the soulmate for sex. And yeah. the third one is the young, wild at heart for sex. Yeah. Yeah. And then I asked him, well, you know, and, and that uh, reflects what many other men have told me. Because they say, well, why would I want a woman for a specific thing? I'll just yeah. go out and buy that or ask somebody to do it for me. Yeah. And, and, you know, in that sense, you know, I also think there's a quite a big difference between men and women. 
Because for women, they, there are a number of different areas that need to, to be working for them to feel they have a good life. And, mm-hmm. and the, if they have too many areas that need to be working, well, then they will never be satisfied. And their husband will never feel that he has satisfied them. So it's mm-hmm. also a question of you know, women should limit the number of areas that they really want. And, and men, uh, I would say, should be more uh, frank about how important sex is to them. Because, yeah. you know, I, I think there's a communication problems going on in a lot of relationships where, where sex becomes sort of the currency that they, you know, he does this and that, and then she says, okay, then we can have sex. And I think that's right. too bad. It shouldn't be like that. Right. It should rather be that these areas, few areas are important, and then we'll kind of, you know, uh, not uh, be so specific about also being a success in the other areas, because it becomes too much. People get stressed out, and people start nagging at each other, and, you know, <laughs> limit yourself to the important areas. Do you think sex change everything? Uh, well, uh, if you have a relationship with a guy, a friendship, for instance, uh, and you don't uh, have sex, and then you start having sex, again, then, then that will change your your friendship. Um, if you're if you have a couple life and you have a good sex life, and it kind of stops with this good sex life for different reasons, oh yes, that changes everything as well. I think uh, we should be more uh, conscious about how how important a life energy that sex is, you know, and not uh, not underestimate it and not ignore it. I've I've uh, coached a number of women who said, well, you know, uh, my my husband and I don't have uh, any any sex life. We haven't had it for ten years. Mm-hmm. Then I asked, well, uh, you haven't had it with your husband, but. Uh, it's quite likely he will be having it with somebody else. Or mm. have you had it with somebody else? Right. So because we don't want to live our life without sex. So right. if you're not having sex in your relationship, well, then maybe start thinking about, is it okay with me that he or she goes outside of the relationship and has it? Because if mm. that's okay, well, then maybe you should set each other free and say, yeah. hey, you know, let's continue to have this friendship, or marriage, this friendship, parenthood, but, but let's not kind of monopolize each other's sexuality because there's so much energy going into that monopolization. And, right. and people don't respect it. You know, we have 40% adultery rate and, and 50% get divorced. I mean, people don't respect those rules. We respect our own body. We respect our own desire. We respect our own possibility of, of you know, benefiting from a situation that arises. We're people. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we're monogamous. Uh, mm-hmm. All of us, uh, by nature, it's a choice you can make, but it's it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a natural consequence of human life. So I, okay. I think also couples should be able to actually deal with that in a much more conscious manner than we do today. Mm-hmm. Don't you think someone who have not had sex for ten years with each other, there's some sort of breakdown in the other categories in their life? Uh, I don't think it, there has to be. No, I think people could, uh, if they if they're able to actually address it and talk about it in a respectful manner. Uh, you know, it, it, some relationships that I have uh, coached, they found it was a relief to actually be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, at, at some point he was, uh, was uh, there was one couple that I was coaching, and, and this guy he was like. 
Well, you know, I, I think it's it's just a, I need to kind of uh, deliver all the time. And now I'm a bit older, and I don't feel the need to deliver so often. So, you know, it's like, oh, it, it's too stressful for me. So maybe mm-hmm. if we could kind of, you know, scale it down a bit or, mm-hmm. or even stop. I asked them if they wanted to stop, <laughs> but they didn't want to stop. But, but, you know, the fact that they could address the frequency of it and the intensity of it, made them able to actually also start thinking about, okay, sure. because she said, well, you know, there is this great guy at work that I'm really attracted to. How would mm. you feel about me having sex with him? Ooh, yeah. you had to think about that the whole time. You know, right. but, but mm, over a period of two, three months, they, they kind of ended up with that it was okay she did that every now and then, as long as it was not rocking their relationship focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think our relationship and the security that a good relationship has, uh, the family life, the, you know, the uh, friends you have in common, the house you live in, all mm-hmm. these things constitute uh, a very, very uh, solid base for many mm-hmm. people. And I think uh, we should kind of uh, not necessarily include sex as an automatic parameter in it over time. It's mm-hmm. fine that it's automatic in the beginning, but, you know, at some point, everybody should actually, I think, you know, we should all have a life coach that we should consult and say, okay, now we've been married <laughs> for seven years. What could be some of the issues that we're having? Or, yeah. you know, we have right. issues or whatever. I mean, we should make it uh, okay to talk about the fact that life changes us and we mm. change in it and our relationship changes in it. Right. then people can have a, a, a bigger span of possible actions to take without actually destroying the, the friendship uh, and some of the that they have. Interesting. I mean, I know there are a lot of people that live in open marriage from that perspective, but let me ask you this. Do you feel there's a difference between making love and having sex? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, you can have sex uh, if you're physically attracted to a person without investing any emotion in it at all. You know, you, and you can have a great experience. Uh, I mean, it could be fun and it can be uh, uh, very uh, sexy and very, you know, wow, yeah. wow very passionate. Uh, and then you can make love to a person that you that you have emotions for, that you feel that uh, that you love. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, that can also be completely fantastic. And, and I wouldn't say that one is better than the other. Or I would say that, that I hope everybody experiences both because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're fantastic in each their way. Mm-hmm. And, and if you feel that you mostly just want to have sex, I, I, I've, I've coached a number of people who during a period in life that said, you know, I just have to have some sex and have some fun and so on. I wasn't really looking to be engaged in anybody on a deeper level. Well, fine, do that for a period. I think the mm-hmm. most important thing is that you know yourself where you're after and you can signal it to the other person because a lot of the hurt feelings comes from somebody thinking, okay, now we're entering into a possibly deeper relationship. No, mm-hmm. we're not because he or she was just out there to have sex. Yeah, so, so be be specific about what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, yes, there is a, there's a big difference between us. Very interesting. What is the best way for women to meet men and men to meet women? Um, well, I think there are a number of good ways. I think mm-hmm. that um, 
the the more like we've talked about you, the more conscious you are about yourself, and the more you know what you're looking for, uh, you can you can easier look everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the less conscious you are, and the more vulnerable you are, uh, the more the online dating world risks feeling like uh, overwhelming or mm-hmm. transgressing your borders and so on. So you know, I, I think it's really important to have sort of your your best of preparation before you enter into the into the dating world. A lot of people meet their partners uh, at the workplace. So uh, whether we acknowledge it or, or not, it is a great <laughs> dating site. <laughs> um, there are also the, the different, uh, you know, uh, online dating sites, and there are the, the services, uh, the apps like Tinder and so on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very much about your own preparation before you start doing it, and mm-hmm. and uh, and then maybe also I, I have advised a number of. Uh, especially women, to allow themselves for a period to step outside what they normally do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you continue to kind of meet in the, the same type of guy and do the same type of things and it hasn't brought you into contact with love so far, why continue? Try to yeah. challenge yourself. If you always right. go on, on bar dates or if you always go on dinner dates, well, start going on hiking dates or on sports mm-hmm. dates or adventure dates or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And, and start dating guys that you're just remotely interested in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many parameters that go into the attraction mm-hmm. that, that, you know, don't, uh, don't kind of discard the men uh, on too small a ground. You know, give mm-hmm. them a chance. And then, <laughs> on, on the other hand, you know, whenever you meet yeah. somebody for the first time, meet somewhere neutral, like out in the, in the real world where there are other people, mm-hmm. And only set an hour for the meeting. You know, say, uh, right. let's meet from five to six and have a drink or a cup of coffee or whatever. Right. Uh, because then you can both, both of you can easily kind of leave from that date if it's uh, not a match at all. Right. And right. if you want to have have dinner on top of that, you can also say that. But you know, mm-hmm. you 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 help yourself by easily meeting and easily getting out of it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a couple of, you know, concrete elements, and I also mentioned that in my book, you know, that, you know, prepare mm-hmm. yourself for this. I mean, love does not just happen. Oh, it was such a fantastic meeting. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but most of them are, are just uh, preparatory <laughs> meetings sure. for, for actually finding a guy that you match with. So true. Where can someone go to buy the book, get more information about you, and possibly like to get you as a coach? Well, um, the book is available on Amazon and in uh, Barnes and & Noble, and it can be ordered actually from any bookstore around the country uh, because it's available from Ingram, uh, which is a national distributor of books. And uh, you can read more about uh, me on a website called modernloveandsex.com. That's modernloveandsex.com. And there I also have uh, offer the coaching booking possibility. And then I wanted to tell that uh, tomorrow I'll start publishing uh, some of these uh, entries from Elizabeth's diary for free for the next couple of weeks to give people sort of a a tasting of the book. So Mm -hmm. if if this has made you curious, you know, sign up on uh, onewomanfreemen.com and then I will uh, send you episodes. And then after a couple of weeks of free episodes, you will get a 
uh, a, a special offer to buy the book with a reduction to, to know what happens after that. So that's on onewomenfreeman.com. Wonderful. What advice do you have for women and men who are on the fence about dating more than one person at a time? Uh, well, you know, I, I think if, if this does not appeal to you at all, you know, let go. Just don't even think about it. But um, I think that, that what my model can offer people is that that you can define the roles uh, that you want uh, people to have that you are dating. And that means that you can actually also have use the three-man model without the sex part and simply mm-hmm. use it to get to know possible partners. You know, so I'm, I'm not saying that this is a model to have sex with three men. You can use it for that as well if you want to. You know, mm-hmm. this is mostly a model to make you conscious about what is important in love and then to, to make a more focused dating process for you because it simply has a higher success rate when you're more focused. So true. What I like about what you just said just now, this is actually finding out the authentic you. It's not about the other guy. As in gender neutral here, it's about finding out about you. As you find out about yourself, then that other person, that ideal mate of yours will appear. Yeah, exactly. Because then you will be able to see that. So mm-hmm. far, you're just kind of you know, wandering around a little in, in the blind and kind of having undefined uh, expectations. I want him to make me feel good. Okay, excellent. Well, how is he ever going to be a success of that? You know, you don't even know what it makes, what, how, how you feel good, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's so important to be concrete in terms of what your dreams are and your expectations. And, and don't be afraid to, to shoo love away by being concrete because that's not what happens. There's something like, you know, it's, oh, if we don't talk about it, I can really feel what's happening. No, the high risk is that you are imagining things that are not happening. You know, <laughs> so it's so really important to to be uh, to be conscious about yourself and and what you're mm-hmm. looking for, and also that you have a right to actually ask for something in return. You know, right. you're not just at the receiving end from the other person. It needs to be so a true. constant exchange in order for the relationship to live. So true. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour. Since our show is about people and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Yeah, my recipe is uh, don't give up. You know, you may feel that, oh, I've had this experience and that experience and, oh, things are just horrible. No, things are just horrible from your present outlook. There are always new things you can do. It may be in the beginning on a very small scale, but you can start by taking different steps than you have so far. And that can bring you into another uh, context, into another area than what is making you feel miserable now. So I would say, you know, don't give up hope. There's always something you could do. Just start in the small and then move towards uh, what you are longing for. Fantastic. Pauline, thank you for the wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will discuss Chicken Soup's latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Joy of Less, 101 Stories of Having More by Simplifying Our Lives. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Pauline, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Johnny. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.